0: Judges chapter seven. If you have your Bibles, and if you don't, if you forgot to bring your Bible or don't have one with you, there should be one right in front of you in the pew. Follow along. I encourage you to follow along because I'm going to be right there in Judges chapter seven all morning long, and uh, we're going to look at Gideon. We're going to look at Gideon some more. J- Judges chapter seven. We're going to probably start there at verse nine. Judges chapter seven, verse nine. Start out this weekend, and I saw that. The world's gone even nuttier than they already were. We're rioting and looting and tearing down businesses, burning down, burning up cop cars, burning down police stations. I never even heard of such a thing. Never imagined. In my mind, if you went to a police station, they'd just shoot you before you got in the door. I, I, I don't know if people are scared of what's going on. I don't know the, all the situation. All I know is people have gone absolutely nuts. And this world needs Jesus Christ. And I know while I had an opportunity, I thought I'd read to you what Jesus Christ had to say. I wanted to remind you when the disciples came to him, they said, tell us when these things shall be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. So the disciples asked Jesus Christ, when's the world gonna end? This is in Matthew chapter 24, verse three. And in chapter 24, verse six, Jesus Christ went on to say, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And that's daily. You hear wars, and you hear rumors of wars. Everybody's about to go to uh, war. Everybody's thinking about going to war. Verse seven: For a nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Now, nation is a, a race of people. So, what Jesus Christ says there, there'll be races of people rise against other races of people, and kingdoms. That's a, a, what we would call nations and kingdoms. Uh, you know, United States, China, Russia. They're going to rise against kingdoms, and there should be famines. And pestilences, like COVID-19, and earthquakes, and just keep your eye on the news, you see earthquakes in diverse places, in all kinds of different places. Jesus Christ says you're going to see earthquakes, you're going to see famines, you're going to see pestilences, you're going to see nation rise against nation. I just want to remind you that Jesus Christ said those words 2,000 years ago, and Jesus Christ is still right today. As a matter of fact, he's running ahead of everybody by 2,000 years. Now listen. If you're scared of what's going on in the world, you need Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ. I need Jesus Christ. That's why I took Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So back in Judges chapter 7, that's where I want to start my sermon this morning. But I want to remind you that God's still in control. He's always been in control. And everything is working towards God's plan. And we say, well, what's God's plan, Pastor? God's plan, according to this book, and this book's been right 100% of the time, God's plan is to bring Jesus Christ back Amen. physically. Set that same Jesus Christ on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And when he sets Jesus Christ down on that throne in Jerusalem, creates that temple. That temple would be rebuilt He'll have a temple there in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ is going to sit physically on a throne. And God wants Jesus Christ, that same Jesus Christ. I just read his words. That same Jesus Christ. He wants that same Jesus Christ to rule and to reign this world for a thousand years. That's his plan. So, well, I don't like that. Well, get over it. Um, So, I didn't vote for him. (laughs) It don't matter if you voted for him or not. You don't vote for a king. And this isn't just any king. This is the king of kings. This is the lord of lords. This guy has a crown that you can't even imagine on top of his head. This guy carries a sword that nobody can can, uh, fight against. This is the king of kings and lord of lords I'm talking about, Jesus. So that's his plan. And as I read my Bible and then I turn on my news, I see God's plans still at work. Even though they want to deny God, they want to deny God's church, they want to deny Jesus Christ, they want to make fun and mock the Bible, but the Bible, if you want the truth of what's going on in the world today, you just come in here and read this book. The, the, the universities and the professors and the teachers, some of the teachers, the, uh, the educational system, they try to teach you that you're nothing but an animal, you come from an animal, and that's all you're going to be is an animal. And then we turn on the news and we see people running around, what are they acting like? A bunch of animals. A bunch of crazy animals. We shouldn't be surprised. But I'm here to tell you, you're not an animal. God created you. Jesus Christ loves you and was willing to die for you and to cover all those sins that you're dealing with. Now, in Judges chapter 7, verse 9, I want to preach this morning on Gideon. Now, I've been doing a series of sermons every couple of Sundays, and I've been going back and preaching on Gideon. Gideon's an interesting character. Now, the first sermon I preached on was, Why did God call Gideon? Gideon was called a mighty man of valor by God. God called Gideon for all kinds of different reasons. Uh, Then Gideon went on and did some house cleaning. It started with the house of God. Gideon cleaned up his father's house and got everything straightened up in his own personal house. And then Gideon started having doubt about God's calling. And there was a danger, and there is a danger, in putting out a fleece and questioning God and questioning God and questioning God. There's a danger in doing that. Sometimes you just got to live by faith. God said it. Just believe it. And then Gideon found out about God that God has three wants and three tries. He's going to try you in three different ways, and there's 300. That's where we left off. God decides, I'm going, to do, I'm going to have this battle. We're going to, I'm going to send you down there, and uh, I want you to get some men together. And in. got about 30-something 30 some, 30 thousand men together, and God said, that's too much. Broke it down to 10,000. God said, that's still too much. Why is that too much? Because God said, because if you win the battle, you'll think you won it and not me. And I want to make sure you know I'm the one that's going to win the battle. So he gets it down. What's it? He gets it down to 300 men. And that's where we left off, that he gets it down to 300 men, starting up at verse 9, Judges chapter 7, verse 9, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, said unto Gideon, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thy hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Phurah, thy servant, down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shalt thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then went he down with Pharaoh, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. Verse 12 is going to explain how many men were down there. And the Midianites and the Melekites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. There were a lot of men down there come up to fight Gideon and to fight the Israelites. Verse 13, And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow, and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, came unto a tent, and smote it that it fell, and overturned it that the tent lay, long, lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else, save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand, hath God delivered me in and all the host. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing, Father God, and anything that's good in me that comes through your Holy Spirit that's dwelling in me, Father, and I pray, Father, that you'll uh, preach to these people, Lord God. it would be your words, not mine, Lord God. Father, I pray you'd use me, Lord, but Father, I pray you put a guard over my mouth and over my over my eyes, Lord God, and Father, I pray that it, it, there's nothing I'd say, Lord God, it's displeasing you, Father, and I pray your Holy Spirit that he'll lead God and direct us into all truth, Lord, as we glorify and lift up the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, and we do thank you for salvation we have in Jesus Christ, Lord, as we look at what's going on in the world, Lord God, I can't thank you enough for my salvation that I have in Jesus Christ and the peace and the joy that I have in Jesus Christ, Lord, and I pray, Father, as, as we go through these Scripture, Lord God, that uh, you would enlighten them to us, and Father, if there's anybody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as we go through the end of this message, Lord God. I pray all this in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Back in verse 9. Let's, let's go back. Let's, let's break this down. There's a lot of good stuff in here. So, it says there, and it came to pass in verse 9, the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host. Why? For I have delivered it unto thine hand. The battle is not yours, it's God's. God tells Gideon, okay, now we got it straightened out. You only got 300 men. There's no way. It's impossible for you to win. So now you're going to know that it's me that's doing it. Now I'm going to do it. God's Going to do it. Verse 9, For I have delivered it into thine hand. The battle's not yours, but it's God's. I like what God told in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. He said, Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. That's 2 Chronicles 20, 15. Hey, the battle's not ours. This battle is not ours. God's made sure that Gideon understands that the battle's not his because he's got it down to 300. God can handle it. Amen. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes we get into this and we get to look what's going on in the world. We see what's going on in, in America. We see what's going on in our churches. What's going on. And sometimes we start trying to take things into our own hands. And uh, God doesn't need Rambo Christians. God doesn't need vigilante Christians. God doesn't need a Christian running off on their own, trying to do things on their own. God's not doing it, so I'm going to get in there and fix this. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to correct this. I'm going to correct that. I'm going to judge this. I'm going to judge that. God doesn't need vigilante Christians going about doing, doing their own judgment, taking care of their own, take care of their own problems of the, that's in the churches that's in the nation. God wants to take care of that. God doesn't need Rambo Christians. God needs spirit-filled Christians. Spirit-filled Christians knowing that God's going to handle it and to let God do it. Amen. Sometimes our biggest problem is we won't get out of the way of God. We, we, we want to get there and get right in the middle of it. And God's like, get out of my way. I'm trying to do something here. And you know, sometimes you can uh, be working against God. Amen. Amen. I mean, sometimes you see what's going on. And you go, we got to stop this. We got to stop this. We got to stop. No, no, let it happen because that's how God's going to bring Jesus Christ back. And when you go out there trying to put this damper on it, you're actually stopping Jesus Christ from coming back. I remember when Obama got voted into office, there was a lot of people saying, oh, I can't believe it." Obama said, there's no way God would want Obama in office. And I looked at them and said, are you crazy? There's no way God would want Obama in office. You don't know your Bible. That's exactly who he wants in office. So why would, he, why would God want him in office? Because it happened, what he's doing is he's getting things ready for Jesus Christ to come back. Well, Obama, it's, almost, it's as bad as the Antichrist. Exactly. And what happens? You've got to have the Antichrist before Jesus Christ comes back. Come on, Christian. Read your Bible. Get out of the way of God. God, is not your battle. It's not your plan. It's not your problem. See, a lot of times we try to take these problems, we see what's going on in the world, and we try to take these problems and we put them on ourselves. Like, well, I've got to run out and I've got to solve all these problems. No, you don't. Let God do it. Now, God might call you. God might have you do something and praise the Lord. If you can do it in the Holy Spirit, praise the Lord. But sometimes we're out there like Rambo Christians. Running out there, we got our, we got, instead of a sword, we got our knife, and we're trying to cut people up. We're out there doing all this stuff. You ever seen the movie Rambo? Oh, I love that movie. I would be—I am a Rambo Christian sometimes. I want to pull out my knife. I want to set up little traps. Call them in. Call them in. Kill them all. Kill them all. You know? I get like that. Oh, come on, God. Won't you kill them? Kill them. You know, it's just like John and James walking with Jesus Christ. and They went to one of the villages, and the village said, We don't want Jesus Christ. Here, get out of here. What did John and James tell Jesus? Hey, Lord, do you want us to bring fire down from heaven and strike them? Burn them up? Let's burn them, Lord. Burn them. That sounds like me. <laughs> burn them, Lord, burn them, fire, fire. And what did Jesus Christ tell them? You don't know what spirit you're of. God, sometimes we need to, need to take a step back and say, you know, what spirit am I being? Am I, is this the spirit, Holy Spirit coming out of me or is this the spirit of man? Or even worse, the spirit of the devil moving on me, yes. causing me to want to hurt somebody, causing me to want to hate somebody, causing me to get that hatred in us. God never want that in us. And sometimes we, get, we see what's going on in the world, we can be like that. We forget that the battle belongs to God. The battle belongs to God. Look at verse 10. But if thou fear to go down, God tells Gideon, Okay, well, if you fear to go down, go thou with Pharaoh, thy servant, down to the host. He said, take somebody with you. And that's exactly what he does. Verse 11, thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thine hands be strengthened to go down to the host. Then when he down with Pharaoh, his servant... Until the outside of the armed men that were in the hole. So that's what Gideon does. And God says, hey, if you're afraid, if you're scared, if you're not for sure, go take somebody down there with you. Take your servant, take Pharaoh down there with you. And that's exactly what Gideon does. That's good advice, Christian. Jesus Christ, when he sent out the disciples, how did he send them out? He didn't send them out by ones. He sent them out by twos. The Bible tells us, and everybody knows this, even the most heathen guy knows this verse in the Bible. Iron sharpeneth iron. As a friend sharpeneth another man's countenance. Another friend's countenance. Hey, we sharpen each other. And you take a friend with you, it helps you to keep a sane mind. Helps you to have confidence. Helps you to be uh, strengthened with the Lord. And you, your friend can help you, tell you, hey, no, let's not do that. We better do this. And you can get some good, good help that way. That's, a good, that's good advice. So what, for, what God does there is tell him to go down for us, And that's what he does. That's all right, guys. There's nothing wrong with that. That's preferred to do it with a friend. If you're going to go out witnessing, go out soul winning, and go with a friend. If you can do it with your spouse, that's 10 times better. If you have a spouse that's willing to go with you to hand out tracts, or have a spouse that's willing to go with you when, y'all, when we go street preaching or something like that, man, that's a blessing. Y'all do something together for the Lord. Hey, Amen. That's a blessing to have a spouse that wants to do something with you for the Lord. And if you're a spouse that doesn't want to do something with your spouse for the Lord, then pray about it and say, maybe, maybe I'm going to do something. You'd be amazed how God will work in your marriage when you're do both doing something for God. All right, look at verse 12. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand of the side for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. Here's the dream and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came into a tent, smote it that it fell, and overturned it that the tent lay long. So this Midianite's there, and just like God told him, Gideon gets close enough with his servant, he gets close enough to hear what's going on, and on the outside, just by chance, right? Just by chance, he's close enough to hear this guy telling a dream that he dreamed. Now, If you know your Bible, you'll know this to be true. God can speak to you through dreams. Not every dream, now listen to what I just said. Not every dream you dream is from God. That's your subconscious working sometimes. I've dreamed dreams where donuts turn into spiders and they start attacking me. Now, you might say that's from God. I think that's my mind telling me don't be eating donuts is bad for you, you know. My point is, is that Sometimes we, we, we take too, put too much importance on dreams. But God can speak to you through dreams. Man that's saved or lost. I've heard of many men who got saved because of a dream God gave them. Many men that got saved because of a dream God gave them. But this man dreams, and he, when he dreams this, he tells his friend, he says, I've seen this, this bread. It's a roll of bread, and it's rolling down. It hits the tent, the tent falls over. And what's the interpretation? He says, well, verse 14, and and his friend says, uh, this is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash. A man of Israel, for unto his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the hosts. He says, no doubt about it, God is going to deliver us and to Gideon, the sword of Gideon. Now, what's interesting about this is that Bible is, our Bible is, It's called a sword, but it's also called a piece of bread. So, to our enemies, this Bible is a sword. But to us, it's a piece of bread. This same thing that will cut one of our enemies, it will cut one of our enemies down to their very soul and spirit. This same Bible is what we feast off of, it's our substance. It's what we use to attack somebody. It's what we use to defend ourselves in the faith. It's also what we use every day to sustain our spiritual life. And that's what the Bible's telling us there, that bread, that bread rolling down. You know what I know about verse 14? It tells me a great truth that I don't think a lot of people think about. Verse 14, he says, this is nothing else save the sword of Gideon. This man recognizes this. I think deep down, deep, deep down in every woman and man, they know the truth of God. Now, every man, not every man and woman admit that. They'll say, there is no God, and I don't believe in God. But I think deep, deep down, deep down, God has planted that in every man or woman that he exists and is real. And they even push that down, and they push that down, and they push that down, and they push that down. They try to hide it. And it's like I preached this last Sunday about that still, small voice, and it's calling out, it's calling out. And they do whatever they can to drown out that voice. They either do it with entertainment or drugs or or alcohol or work or whatever they did, music, they just drown it out. But I think God's speaking to every man and woman that deep, deep, deep down, they know the truth. But they will deny it. And when you tell a man that's lost or a woman's lost that, that, hey, you know the truth, you know what's coming, they get mad about it and they get angry. That doesn't change the truth. <laughs> the truth's the truth. And what's that truth you think God's given them? I believe in my heart. That truth is that the simple truth, judgment is coming. I will answer to a holy God for my sins. Every man and woman knows that. Now you might have, you got that conscience that speaks to you. You might have drowned it out. You might have, where you, can, you can't hear it. And, and I don't blame you. I would too if I was lost going to hell. But I think this shows you a great truth. Here's these heathens. They're not, they're not worshiping Jehovah God. But they say, you know what, this is, this is it. We know what this is. This is God's going to deliver us. In, this, God's going to deliver us into the hands of Gideon. Verse 15, look at verse 15. And it was so, let's move on, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped. And returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. So Gideon's sure now that they're going to win the battle. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. So what he does, he gets back to the camp and says, Hey, God's delivered them. Okay, you hundred go over here. You hundred go over here. You hundred go over here. So he splits, up, splits them up into three. God's a trinity. Man's a trinity. God works in threes. He splits them up into threes, and he says, "Okay, every one of y'all take a trumpet and take this vessel, like a, it'd be like a, we call it like a ceramic kind of pot, and put a lamp in there that shines bright. And you put that lamp in this pot, so it's, in other words, you can't see that it's lit." There's no light coming out of there. That's what he's doing. He separates them out. Verse 17, and he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye, so shall ye do. So he says, okay, y'all take this trumpet, y'all take this, uh, this picture with the, with the lantern, lantern, in it, lantern in it, follow me, do what I do. Now, what's interesting about that is that's what Paul told us. Paul said, be ye followers of me, as I'm a follower of Christ. In other words, just like these men here, it's okay to follow a man if he's following Christ. Amen. Amen. I follow men that follow Christ. There's Christ. They're following Christ. I'm following them. Therefore, we're both following Christ. The reason, the reason why I'm the Christian I am today is because there's godly men and women that have been in front of me following Christ, showing me the example I should have, and I thank God for them. Yeah, I sure didn't get this example of being a Christian from TV. I mean, I look at well, and you, you, it's your choice. I mean, as a young man, here I am raised up, and I'm saying, okay, do I, do I Here's a pastor. I see how he's acting. I see, uh, he's trying to live for Christ, and, and here's Joe Osteen. Uh, who am I going to follow? Now, as a young man, I, I decided, you know, I don't, want, I don't want to be like that. I want to be like this guy here. And, 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 and some people come up there and they say, he's too rough. This pastor's too mean. Dr. Ruckman's too loud. He's too, I, I don't like him. He, he has an attitude. I like Joe Osteen because he smiles a lot, and he's friendly. Well, God bless you. Go over there and follow him. And I'll try not to make fun of you, but go, go over there. But the point is, is that you can be following somebody who's following Christ. I, I'm not going to follow nobody, brother. I'm only following Jesus Christ. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But my point to you is, and I know you're like, I, I, don't, I, I should only be following Christ. Yeah, follow Christ. But my point to you is there's people that are following you. There's people who are looking to you as a Christian. You know this, right? Because, listen, if you say you're a Christian and you do something wrong, they'll be the first ones to tell you, that's not Christ-like. Christians shouldn't act like that. Christians shouldn't drink. Christians shouldn't talk like that. Christians don't cuss. Christians, Christian, Christian, That's all they do. What their point to you is, that should make a point to you, is that people are following me because I'm following Christ. We should be living in that kind of example where you say, hey, here's your trumpet, here's your lantern, let's go. Follow me. We're going to do something for God. You'd be amazed how many people will say, you know what, I'll follow you. Let's go do something for God. People are following you. And that's what Gideon does here. Verse 18, when I blow with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, the sword of the Lord... And of Gideon. Famous verse. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Great truth. If you get anything out of this sermon, get this out of this sermon this morning. God's sword is your sword. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. The sword of the Lord and of Keegan. This is my sword. That's God's sword. Yeah, that's God's sword. But it's my sword. God's sword is my sword. I'm a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. I belong to the family of God. Whatever Jesus Christ owns, I own. That's God's heaven. Yes, it is. It's my heaven. That's my heaven up there. It's my Father's heaven. And whatever belongs to the Father, belongs to me. That's God's heaven. That's my heaven. This is God's book, yes. This is my book. This is my book. That's God's sword. That's Gideon's sword. Whatever belongs to God belongs to you. Let me take this a step further. That's God's love. That's your love. That's God's forgiveness. That's your forgiveness. So many people come to me and say, well, I can't love that person, Brother Keegan. I can't forgive that person. And I'll tell them, of course you can't. You can't. Because you don't have that love. And you don't have that forgiveness. I don't have that love. I don't have that forgiveness. But we're not talking about Keegan's love. We're not talking about Keegan's forgiveness. God's love. God's forgiveness. What I'm saying to you is, When you come to that time in your life, and you're going to come, if you're not there, if you're not already living in it, and I've lived it, where you say, I just can't forgive them? I know you tell me to forgive them, Lord Jesus, but I can't forgive them. Or I can't love them. You need to say, I'm not going to love them. I'm going to love them in God. God's going to love them through me. I'm going to stop trying to love them with Keegan's love. God, your love is my love. You pray a prayer like this, God, I can't forgive them, I can't love them, but you in me can. Amen. You love them, God, I believe you love them, I believe your word, and I believe you say you love them, you love them, Lord, I can't love them. So God, through your Holy Spirit, work in me, and through your fruit, you love them, because I can't love them. Amen. That's a powerful prayer, you know why? I know that, because I've had to pray that, and it works. It works. You'd be amazed how you can love and forgive somebody. you think think, you, can, I can't do that. Well, you can, of course you can't. But God's love is your love. God's forgiveness is your forgiveness. Amen. See, now we're, what we're talking about is, this isn't my book. This is God's book. But since it's God's book, I can claim it. This isn't my love, but it's God's love. Since God's love, and I'm part of God, I'm part of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ loves them, so Jesus Christ in me can love them when I can't do it. Stop trying to do things in your own power. Remember what God said. The battle belongs to me. This isn't a fight. This isn't your responsibility. I can't love them. Well, you're not supposed to love them. Let Jesus Christ love them through you. You just be a part of that. You can't. You're a sinner. (laughs) The way you're going to accomplish this Christian life is allowing the Holy Spirit to work out of you. And produce the fruit. You're either producing fruit or you're producing works. Look at Galatians 5. The works of the flesh are, is this. And he lists it all out. Everything you know every man does, he lists it out. Then he says the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and long-suffering, meekness, temperance, faith. All those things that you say, I don't have it. I know you don't have it. But God in you, Jesus Christ in you, through the Holy Spirit can produce it out of you. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. God's sword is your sword. God's love is your love. God's forgiveness is your forgiveness. Verse 19. So Gideon and the hundred. Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. In the beginning of the middle watch, so just so you'll know this, you can write this stuff down so you can keep up. If you want to keep up, what is a middle watch? Well, there's three different watches. The Jewish, the Jews had three different watches they did at night, and I'll give them to you and I'll give you the verses if you want to write them down. There was one they called the first watch or the beginning watch at night time. It was from sunset to 10 p.m. That's found in Lamentations 2 verses 19. Lamentations 2:19. That's the first watch. Now the middle watch. That's the watch that Gideon's going to the Midianites at. This middle watch was from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. That's called the middle watch. That's at nighttime. Like a watch, like you'd put somebody on guard or watch, for, you know make sure that somebody doesn't come in and do something. That's from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. That's found here at this verse 19, Judges 7, 19. And the last one is called the morning, the morning watch. And that's from 2 a.m. to sunrise. To him, to somewhere that's found in Exodus chapter uh, 14, verse 24. And you can write this one down, 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 11. 1 Samuel 11:11. That's the morning watch. But here he comes in the middle watch. That's been from about 10 p.m., between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. Here he comes. Here comes Gideon. And they, but, but, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. Now let's stop there. It said the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. All right. There's no swords. (laughs) 300 of them are attacking, it says like the sands of the sea. Hundreds of thousands of these guys. They show up to fight these guys. No swords. Here's a trumpet in this hand, and here's a pitcher with a lantern in it, darkened, in this hand. Don't you think they're going, uh, what are we doing here, guys? Uh, Where's the sword? Give me a bow and arrow, you know. That's faith. That's faith. All the talk of the sword of the Lord and the sword of Guinea, and they have no weapons to fight with. What does that speak to as a Christian? Well, that speaks to you that your warfare is not physical. Your warfare is spiritual. Paul tells us, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, they're not something you carry in your hands, but mighty through God, through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. That's that's found in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and then read verse 5, that's casting down imaginations. So what God tells us there, and Paul tells us there in 2 Corinthians is, your warfare is not with your fists. You're not supposed to be going out fighting somebody. You're not supposed to be going out with a stick or a sword or a gun. You're not, that's not your warfare. Your warfare is a spiritual warfare, and you're going to do it through God. God's going to do it through you. It's not your sword. It's God's sword. Well, what's God's sword? God's sword is this word of God. That's what you've got to fight somebody with. Scripture. That's what you got. And that's what they're doing. It's a spiritual warfare. Look at verse 20. And the three companies... Blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands and blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshida, into Zareth, and to the border of Belamola Ab- 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 and Tabith. So Gideon with his men, they get there and they take the sword I mean they take their trumpet and they the sword of the Lord they start, they start blowing it and they bust those pitchers and what happens when they bust those vessels then the light shines out. Broken pitchers, broken vessel light shines out, those guys wake up and all they see is these lights all around them and they hear trumpets blowing and they pull out their swords, Where's the worst enemy and here comes one guy, there he is, Just <laughs> start cutting each other. They start turning on each other. And then they start fleeing. It's all all God's doing it. Confusion. They don't know what's going on. No sword. Gideon didn't have to pull out one sword. He's just yelling out the sword of the Lord. And he's blowing a trumpet and he's breaking a pitcher. Let's break this down back at verse 20. That's good stuff right here. He blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps. What does this represent as a Christian? Well, that trumpeting of the gospel. Every Christian should be trumpeting the gospel. Sword of the Lord. What's the sword of the Lord? The Bible. The Bible. You should be trumpeting the gospel. Your your warfare is spiritual. It's not physical. You show up, you just preach the word, preach the word. Jesus Christ saves do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Trumpet it out. Amen. Jesus Christ said, what, there's going to come a time, what you hear in secret, Jesus Christ said, you're going to go up on the rooftops and holler from the rooftops, Jesus Christ, is Lord. That's what Jesus Christ said. And we've been doing that for 2,000 years. Amen. And they don't like it, and I don't care. And they for sure don't like it nowadays. And that means we need to be yelling it and trumpeting it louder. Trumpet, 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 trumpet. Have you been trumpeting this week? Or have you been quiet? Is your trumpet in the closet not being used? Or have you been trumpeting the Lord? If there's any time, brothers and sisters, where we need to be trumpeting the Lord is when all this nonsense is going on. <laughs> there's no hope in the world. <laughs> right when you said, okay, guys, we're finally going to start opening things up. I don't care how you believe one way or another. We're going to open things up. Let's start getting to back to normal. And let's start doing all this. And then what do, you, what do you know? One guy gets killed, and he shouldn't have been killed. And I'm not arguing if the guy was right or wrong. He got killed. I think he was wrong. He shouldn't have done that. And the whole world blows up. And now you got people looting and rioting and burning police stations down, burning businesses down, burning down police, st- doing everything you can think of. Where is the gospel of Jesus Christ? I hope those are not Christians out there in the streets. Amen. You better not talk to me because the first thing I'll tell you, that's no Christian I know of. That's no Christian. You accuse us of doing all kinds. of That's not a Christian I know of looting and taking, uh, taking people's pro- personal property, beating people up. I saw a video before I came to church this morning. saw a video of this guy got beat up so bad. He's just laying in the street there. Last I heard, he's in critical condition. He's probably going to die. Just beat him to death. This isn't Dallas, Texas. This isn't way up in Minnesota. This is right here in Texas. They need Jesus. Somebody's not trumpeting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Churches are all shut down. We need to start opening up barbershops. We need to start opening up this. And at the very last of that list, oh, well, we might want to start looking at opening up some of the churches. Come on, guys. Come on. That's the top of the list. And people, I see these churches. they're none of them open. There's very few of them open. And I told my wife coming to church this morning, I said, the hardest, I mean the easiest, the easiest habit to kick is going to church. It's the easiest habit to kick. And I think there's going to be a lot of these churches that just don't open back up. Why open back up? Nobody wants to come. I'll just sit at home. I'll watch it on the internet. Or I'll get, I don't need that anyway. I don't, yeah, you do need it. Evidently. When I, when I turn on my TV and I see what, the way people are acting in the world, they need Jesus. And if you don't think you need Jesus, you're just one step away from acting like them too. Yes. And I'm not talking about a race. I'm not talking about a color of a person's skin. I'm talking about a sinner going to hell will act like that. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. I need Jesus. This isn't just I'm attacking somebody with you need this and you need that. I needed it. I got it. Here's the cure. You don't want to act like an animal? Come to Jesus Christ. He'll straighten you out. No doubt about it. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers. Okay, so the trumpets is us trumpeting the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's that pitchers there that they break and the light shines forth? Oh, brothers and sisters, that's you, and that light is Jesus Christ, and you got to break that body that you're living in, so Jesus Christ can shine forth. You got to break it. This old sinful, sorry body, it's hiding the light of Jesus Christ. You've got to break it. You've got to beat it down. you got to let, let the light of Jesus Christ shine forth. And it's never going to shine when you let this thing live. Amen. What do you mean by that, Brother Kagan? I mean just what Jesus Christ said. You need to crucify this flesh. Amen. I'm going to read you what Christ said in Luke chapter 9. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself... Take up his cross daily. Follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. That's a self-crucifixion daily. you got to tell your body no. you got to keep this sinful body under control. The more you can keep this sinful body un- under control, the more the light of Jesus Christ will shine forth out of you. We need more Christians that are walking around crucified. Like I said, we don't need Rambo Christians. We don't need Vigilante Christians. We need Crucified Christians. We need Spirit-filled Christians. Where are they at? We need Christians that just tell themselves, No. No. You're not going to sin? No. You're going to go to church? No. You're going to do this? No. I don't want to read my Bible today. That's what your flesh is going to tell you. And you tell your flesh? No. You're going to read your Bible. Trust me. If you have trouble sleeping, pick up a Bible and read it. You'll get plenty of sleep real quick. Amen. Your flesh will fight you. You'll get, uh, your eyelids will start drooping. You'll get so tired. That's the best sleeping pill in the world Just read your Bible at night. Put you right to sleep. You'll sleep like a baby. Your flesh won't like it. Not at all. Not at all. And that's what should tell you you need to be doing it more. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Powerful. Powerful. The hardest thing there is is to be a Christian. It's the hardest thing to do. Because when you're a Christian, you're going against the very nature that's in you, that sinful nature to do this and to do that and to hate this and to hate that and to talk this way and you've got to fight that and you've got to crucify that and you've got to keep that down. Why? Why would you do that, Brother King? Because you want the light of Jesus Christ to shine forth into a lost and dying world. Hey, when you're trumpeting, you want them to turn and see the light and see Jesus Christ. You don't want them to turn and see you. I don't, I don't want to be trumping the gospel of Jesus Christ and somebody turn and see my wicked sin, see my, hear my wicked mouth, see how I live a sinful life. I want them to turn and see the light of Jesus Christ. I want them to see Jesus Christ manifest out of me. Amen. It's not going to happen unless I crucify this flesh. It won't happen. You're fooling yourself. You've got to tell yourself no. It's worth it. <laughs> Somebody that preached the gospel to me when I got saved had the guts to not only preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to keep their flesh under control long enough for Jesus Christ to manifest out of them to me to see Jesus Christ. You need to take that and say, you know what? I need to have that much courage. I need to live daily for Jesus Christ, crucify this f- f- flesh, carry that cross, be like Paul, live for Christ, don't live for myself, trumpet the gospel, break that body of mind so the light can shine forth, because the world needs the light. Amen. And brothers and sisters, as the dark world gets darker and darker and darker, this little light of ours is going to shine, shine, shine. Y'all went to vacation Bible school? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You remember singing that? What what does that mean? That's not your light. This light is Jesus Christ. You don't put it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. You don't put it under a vessel. You break that vessel. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Guys, we've been raised from childhood. Some of us have been raised from childhood with the truth that Jesus Christ is shining out of us, and we've forgotten it. And we think we can just say, I love Jesus Christ, and not live for Him, and not deny ourselves, and not pick up His cross, and wonder why God's not working more in our lives. We need Christians that are willing to crucify themselves. Right now, the battle is here. Man, I turn on the TV and the battle is going on. We're in a war right now. This isn't the time to sit on our couch. This isn't the time to stay home and be quarantined. This is the time to get out, to get the trumpets blowing. Get to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let our light shine. Hey, the media, they're everywhere. We need to fight the battle. And remember at the same time, we don't have a sword, a physical sword. The battle's of the Lord's. Amen. He's going to do it. You say, well, it, just, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable to, to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Well, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable, too. <laughs> this stuff is not, it's not, it's not it, it, there's nothing comfortable about this. There's nothing that doesn't feel, I feel uncomfortable. It, it, yeah, it does. It makes me feel really uncomfortable to tell. But, I mean, I'm embarrassed sometimes, and sometimes I'm like, I'm offending them. But I know it works. Amen. And I know it's what God wants me to do. And if it's what God wants me to do, is even if it doesn't make any sense, just like taking a trumpet in this hand and taking a vessel in this, this makes no sense, God. God said, do it. The battle is mine. Amen. Look at verse 21. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. Every man had a place. Every man stood. Keep on standing. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I, I know y'all personally, Y'all are standing. Y'all do a good job of standing. And I'm going to tell you this morning, to the best of my ability, keep on standing. It's worth the fight. Keep on standing. You know what Paul said? Put on the whole armor of God. You know what he said in that? Stand. Stand. Having done all, stand. Stand, therefore. He keeps standing over and over again. It's all about stand, stand, stand. Keep standing. They stood in their place. Look. Stand, keep standing, stand where God has placed you. Has He placed you out of Indian Gap? Keep on standing. Has He moved you off somewhere else? Keep on standing. Every man and woman has a place that God's put them. That place is important. Stand in it. Stand. Just stand. That's all you got to do. Just stand for God. And they stood, every man in his place, round about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. Lastly, I want to point out, stand still, blowing God's gospel like a trumpet, and letting Christ's light shine out of you, and you're going to watch people destroy each other. You're going to watch the world turn on each other. They're not going to get the victory over you. They can't get the victory over you. We already have the victory in Jesus Christ. You know what Paul said about that? To die is gain. It's better for me to die than to live. Listen, to die is for me to go on to be with Jesus Christ. I'd rather die for Jesus Christ than to live for this world. And as this world gets more wicked and more wicked, I'm thinking, what do y'all want in this world? God's going to make sure before he comes back, and it's coming back, he's coming back really soon, Jesus Christ is going to make sure that there's nothing in this world the Christian's going to want He's going to make sure that every Christian's heart is turned toward him. Amen. Because when a Christian says, you know what, I like the way the world does this, and I like the way the world does it, and the Christian gets out in the world, he's going to make sure the Christian is seeing what the world's really like. And the Christian's going to say, you know what, I'm going to turn my heart back to Jesus Christ. Amen. And he should. He should turn his heart back to Jesus Christ. I like what... Uh, Moses said about God when they were coming to the Red Sea. He's about to split, open up the Red Sea. This is what Moses says. Fear ye not, stand, stand, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The battle's not yours, it's God's. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you so much, Father. I don't love you enough, and Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you love me and died for me, gave me a way to get into heaven, Lord God and Father. I thank you, Lord, that your heaven is my heaven, and your love is my love, Lord. I thank you for that. I thank you that your sword is my sword, Lord. I just uh, need to have a heart towards you, Father, and I know that. And Lord, I pray, Father, there's somebody beneath the sound of my voice that maybe their heart—they've been giving their heart to the world. Maybe they forgot their first love, Lord God. Maybe they forgot they, they need to be loving on Jesus Christ. Maybe, Lord, they're just afraid to blow that trumpet, Lord God. Maybe they'll be afraid they'll be ridiculed. Maybe they're afraid that somebody will make fun of them, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would just give them the courage to do it, Lord God. And Father, remind them, Lord, that they have, a, they have a purpose and they have a job to do. And, Lord, as this war goes on in this world, Lord God, as we see that the world's growing wicked and growing darker, Lord God. Father, help us to shine your light out of us, Father. Lord, I pray to help us to overcome these sins that we're dealing with, Lord God, that your light can shine out and the gospel message can be preached. Father, I thank you for every man that's standing out this morning, Lord God, preaching Jesus Christ crucified and the Savior of the world, Lord God. I pray a blessing on them, Lord God, all these churches, Lord God, that open and back up. I pray, I pray, Father, these people will flock back to your house, Lord God, and worship your holy name. Father, I pray a blessing on everybody's here this morning. And Lord, if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, Lord God, that right now you'll speak to the heart the truth. Lord, I love you. And Father, I can't wait to see you face to face. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at indiangapbaptist.com.